Welcome to Design Thinking Games, a gaming and user experience podcast. Card-carrying UXers Tim Broadwater and Michael Schofield examine the player experience of board games, pen and paper role-playing games, live action games, and video games. Play through the backlog on your podcatcher of choice and on the web at designthinkinggames.com. So this began as an episode about geocaching and geocaching is uh, like it's one of these things that in this era of like Dungeons and Dragons popularity and nerddom taking over pop culture that geocaching feels like a, a poindexterous um, dorky as hell like like thing that you embark on. Mm-hmm. But it's really pretty fascinating. It's it's the idea that, you know, you take your love of um, puzzle solving of uh, of discovery and you um and and yeah and, and you take it outside there is like a robust community there yeah so i i know nothing about geocaching and when we when i first heard the term i literally for probably a half a year or more thought it was what I now know is to be frisbee golf. <laughs> um, and I swear, and I thought it was like, oh, you take a nap out and you are playing with your friends at frisbee golf and it tracks it or does something. And then uh, people, you know, kind of my understanding was like, oh, you go to these specific places yeah. and do these things. And I did not. So I know nothing about geocaching <laughs> at all. But you've played it before, right? It's hard to say you've played it. Like it almost doesn't feel like a game. Um, what it is is a it's a, a modern treasure hunt. You know, um, the the whole idea that that you have a map and X marks the spot, and you find your way to a desert island, and you dig a hole, or you perform some task. You know, these are things that you know, um, like Sea of Thieves brings in like back into pop culture or whatever where everyone just kind of sails around finding treasures that treasure mm-hmm. finding thing and what geocaching does is like take this um well let, let me let me rewind for a second so there's this idea there's a sort of like game the sort of global or national or, or a large scale scavenger hunt style um activity it's hard to call it a game but activity that you partake in called letterboxing right and it's really the idea that um at the end it's very simple it's like hey man you've got a shoe box and you wrap it in some plastic or whatever you make it waterproof you go somewhere you you put like you put a couple of trinkets in there you bury it and you leave clues to its location hopefully someone goes and finds it so it's like treasure hunter scavenger hunt it's a scavenger hunt but now like ever since like uh like in 2000 i think i think it was actually the year 2000 when GPS became like a readily available thing. Um, and you can imagine like how this, uh, you, you can imagine like the timeline of um, people partaking in geocaching uh, increasing from those who had extremely expensive like GPS devices um, up to 2007 mm-hmm. when you had like a GPS in your phone up to like now. Um, and like the idea is that, yeah, it's a scavenger hunt with GPS coordinates. And wait, like everyone can, everyone contributes to it. Everyone hides and everyone finds. Yeah, exactly. So you can just find. So, so here's the basic premise. Like you, um, there are specific apps or lists. Some are, 
obscure. There are geocaching lists on the deep web. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's your access to these lists of endpoints that really, you know, kind of determine, I don't know, it's, it's part of the game. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's a geocaching app. You can just, like, look it up. You can pull it down. And basically what it is, is like, hey, around you, there's a geocache here at this coordinate. It's using, like, a Google map or an Apple map, uh, like, overlay, and there's a pin drop. But the idea is, like, hey, um, at this coordinate, which might be in, let's, let's, let's go easy, right? It's in the park, and it's at this thing. Like, somewhere in this coordinate, down to within, like, a, like a 100 meters or so, is buried treasure. It's hidden. There are some clues. The, the, the listing might say, um, uh, walk, uh, like, from, from, from the beginning point of the coordinates, like, walk north a hundred steps until you are under like the the eaves of a great oak then look up mm-hmm. right or something like oh, that yeah. and so th- what would happen is you go there and you like look up and you see a um and you see like a spider on the tree and you're like oh shit what a big spider and you realize it's fake um and you know you figure your way out you figure your way up to up the tree um look under the spider the spider is tied to uh like by a long piece of like thread or fish fishing line it's um it's tied to like a little fist sized package that's in the knot of the tree and in that package is um i don't know like a little like keychain something for you to take and a log book the idea is that you document yourself like like a uh, tim was here at this time and you put it back and maybe you leave like a little treasure for someone else. Um, but that's it. That's the game. Is it? Oh, wait, wait, wait. I have like three questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Literally orbiting around that. So who started it? And then I guess the second question is, is it possible to go to them and there be nothing there? Like because someone take the, has taken a gift, but someone has not left it or replaced it or replenished. Good question about the starting. So letterboxing as a game started in the 1800s, right? This is a thing that people did. Treasure hunting, you know, is for, like you can imagine like a couple of dorks like me and you walking around before the Civil War, clearly far in the north. And we're like, boy, did you read that Robinson Crusoe? It's like, how fun would it be to like, uh, to, to bury some treasure? And you're like, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I did bury some treasure, Schofield onward and then you know <laughs> so, like, tally ho tally ho good man and and that's where it began we are super privileged to be brought to you by dice tower theater because our show is designed to tease apart mechanics and other aspects of game design so we can better understand why they impact us but this wonkery didn't start because we were born middle-aged it began with fandom and escapism when we're throwing dice at the table we're not hyper focused on reasons why someone gets advantage we are the there. blue flame has the great risk correct are you sure sophie I foresee a path you can understand, let alone tread, but you will have to walk yourself. As they venture into their fourth season, over 12 hours of story, Dice Tower Theater rekindles that original feeling we get. Are your minds made up too? Then step into the room behind me, adventurous. I wish you find what you seek. 
and can heal your world. Dice Tower Theater, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. So the other thing is that this this is governed by like a by ethics, right? Um, so there is a strong yeah. uh, ethic that you you don't fuck up or you don't steal it or you take a thing and you leave a thing and stuff like that. Hundred percent, you can get there. It's no longer there because it's out in nature. Like maybe you know maybe like a someone like literally chopped down the tree. Whoops. Um, or yeah, you know stuff and like so that. So basically, the game that you're playing has an agency or a federation basically that says like, hey, when you do this, you have to leave this, or when you do do it like check it in on the site or, right. or whatever. So there's like an agency and a rules. Yeah. So the, the, the organization is um, like around, you know, the, the provider of the list and the coordinates, but these providers can be decentralized. Like there for a while, there was like a whole like four chan, um, like decentralized, like letterbox, the game there. Um, you can, you can find others that are um, uh, coordinates based off like a, uh, uh, not Bitcoin, but like a like a blockchain, like a, like blockchain mm-hmm. geocaching, so that there is no central authority there. Um, yeah, and it's one of those things where they get increasingly more difficult. So my example of the park is fine. That's fun, and in the in a way that you can imagine that if you had a real treasure map that literally everybody else had, uh, the, you'll, the treasure will be picked over or whatever. But there are maps that are hard to get, and you might find them up like midway up a mountain. Or, you know, like uh, like 100 feet under the sea, right? Like things like this, um, where the adventure ultimately becomes um, the, the, the journey to get to this coordinate. Yeah, so, but once you get there, it's like a 300-yard area, like, let's say, square foot or that's, circle that's or whatever. That's the GPS, right? But it, th- yeah. that's really kind of like the, the... So it gets you to there physically, and then you have to kind of not just look, but then also take the clues or whatever you had. And you had legit have to search, you know, so... Well, and there's different kinds. So, like, the coordinates might just get you to clue one, right? And it'll say, okay, the next uh, is, like... And, you know, you can imagine this is in some kind of like riddle verse um, and it will tell you the next location is like in a forest um, three miles to your east. Right. Um, Yeah. And that location is not on the map. Right. So it's one of those things where um, like depending on it's really up to like whoever goes in and places the cash and kind of like the ethics of the list that you are um, adhering to. you know, how, I don't know, how much handholding you give the person. But that's the idea. It's like, there's, there's, it's, you know, the, 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 the thinking is that there's a, yeah. it's a gamified thing with an actual leaderboard uh, to, uh, to a point. Um, and that leaderboard might just be some notes like inside a very rare cache or, you know, um, uh, activity and, uh, like that's on, like that's part of the app. Um, but it forces you to go hiking for the most part. Yeah, this reminds me so much um, of kind of uh, Ready Player One to where it's like, well, we can give you the clue. The clue just gets you there, but then you have to find the key. And then once you have the key, you have to find the gate that the key unlocks, you know? So it's very cool. So there, the scenario that you were describing with the spider, um, I mean, can you describe 
what's something you said you've played this before what's was that something that you experienced yeah so that was that was one of my first ones i had one that was uh in the median between like an like a like an expressway uh, which was kind of like dangerous to get to um Mm -hmm. but yeah it's it's often like that you know the the cache itself i've never actually found uh like a uh like an ammo box like oftentimes like if if you if you look it up there's like an ammo box and it's totally waterproof and it's full of shit everything that i find is like you know like a fist sized plastic wrapped like dice pouch full of Mm -hmm. you know stuff and like uh they're small and they're wedged into some like weird spots Um, that's cool though still cool yeah no i've never done it and i've always wondered what it was and so it's a pretty cool thing. So like, um, so yeah, to your point, like ready player one is very, you know, it's, it's the whole like gumshoe three clue thing, right? It's the, it's the idea that there's a puzzle and at a glance, the idea that like, Oh, here's a GPS coordinate and right there is treasure. I mean, that doesn't seem super fun, but you find those that lead to other caches that lead to other caches. And you end up going down kind of like a, a rabbit hole. Like some of this is like, uh, coming up in like pop culture like there are really like there's a there's a whole like game uh plus story called like rabbits uh where rabbits rabbits not rabbits is like rabbits is a game nintendo switch game but, I don't yeah, think like, a, game. like rabbits <laughs> where um the idea is that um there are lists that are um dangerous to play um oh right uh because you like in, or some are occult based lists uh where um, what you're doing is, you know, the equivalent of like learning how to open the puzzle box in Hellraiser or um, you're, yeah. you're going like or you're going to like haunted locations. Or like a crazy serial killer put out an elaborate thing and then you followed it and now you're his Perfect. prey. Oh, oh, man, that's that's amazing. <laughs> like I, geocache I, killer. The geocache. Copyright killer. design thinking games 2022. <laughs> uh, watch out for our next game. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Guys, playtesting is hard. If you've ever done that, you know how much of a struggle it can be. And if you haven't, you need to. It's part of good game design. That's why I'm super happy that this season of Design Thinking Games is brought to you by Playtest Kit. Literally playtestkit.com, which is designed by Steve Bromley to help us draw reliable, evidence-based conclusions that inform our design decisions. It gives us all the templates and guidance that we need to test prototypes, Types, recruit, pick the right method, interview people, write surveys, and most importantly, configure and analyze the data so that we can do something useful with it. So whether you've never run a playtest before or you're a pro, this kit is going to save you time and help you get more value from each test you run. So sign up for free resources or go to get the full kit at playtestkit.com. And for the rest of the season, this season only of Design Thinking Games, use the code design thinking to get 10% off and let Steve know who sent you. One of the other things we were talking about, like as fitness, you know, this is getting you outside. So this topic has turned into like 
like it was kind of like an augmented reality game, but it's a, like a fitness ga- game. Or then there's the whole topic of like the gamification of exercise and fitness and eating, and then um, exploring the physical world outside of your house, geocache. So I'm wondering, you know, there seems to be with some with geocaching. Is there a point where you get to the location, or that you're using an app, or that you're using it more so in you know, kind of more than just getting to the 300 foot area. That's sort of where like Niantic comes in, right? So if you think about um, like Pokemon Go, it's not dissimilar. It's like you, um, in that case, there's kind of more of a browsing quality where you're looking around and hoping that you stumble upon a a Pokemon. Yeah. But there are specific locations and gyms um, and gradually word gets around that, you know, a certain, you know, a certain corner of like a university has a certain Pokemon and, um, and you know, these are parts of the, these are different circles on a Venn diagram that definitely over overlap. Mm. So the geocaching apps I've only ever used are just maps, right. That like have little coordinates on it, but mm-hmm. you get, it's kind of the same thing. Like the Pokemon go, the, the Harry Potter, like all, all the Neantic things. I never played ingress. Um, but it's not dissimilar except, you know, that leans more into the augmented reality thing, but you're still scavenger mm-hmm. you're you know scavenger hunting around um and then there's just more of a there's more of a game or more of a video game aspect to it more of a comp- competitive aspect to it whereas like geocaching is the journey more than you know the result yeah and there, i know that there's also like such things as geocaching trails right like places you specifically go to um and uh you know, there's uh, also like places that I'm assuming that also can happen at places that you want to visit outdoor people, place of like beauty or significance sure. or waterfalls or yeah. And so the thing that conversely, <laughs> and I've played Ingress, Pokemon Go, Harry Potter, Wizards Unite, and I'm currently cracked out on Pikmin Bloom, uh, is that <laughs> that. It was exciting and new, I think, when it was Niantic. Niantic is amazing. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Their partnership with Nintendo is phenomenal. Um, I'm I'm here for it. Um, I am not. I pr- I prefer Pokemon, the actual role playing game, you know, versus um, the versus card the- game or Pokemon Go. Yeah. So just not a Pokemon Go person because um, you just like obsessively catching and battling. Yeah. It, it, there's nothing else to it, but. When Ingress first, you know, when Ingress first launched, I love the fields that you could draw areas and you were on teams and you're trying to protect areas. And the longer you can protect areas, the more energy and resources you get. And then it soon became apparent that, okay, this is every post office, every city building, every statue, you know, or mon- or monument, right? And then people could submit their own. I submitted two or three to Ingress, what I played, which was like, there's a memorial statue in a town close to me locally i submitted that and it got added um wow so it, it was kind of definitely the data that's building out like okay memorials yeah. and places but then now i found that when you kind of go to pokemon go harry potter wizard unite and even pikmin bloom um it's just like oh this is now a gym or a a wizard tower dual place. I can't remember right. with right. Harry Potter. Right. Yeah. But in Pikmin Bloom, it's like a place where like a fungus infestation can happen, <laughs> you know? So then you, um, so it's neat, but I think now 
like being when I hear you describe and talk about geocaching, right? Getting you to an area and then actually having to look and interact, solve riddles and clues, versus um, I know where the gym is. I know where the yeah. you know, the post office is. There just seems to be um, it's more about grinding, right? And so Pokemon to me is just like grinding, grinding, grinding. And then there's all these rules. People that say once you get over level twenty, like it's horrid, like it's just so bad. Oh really? What, what's bad about it? Well, most people, uh, because it takes forever, oh. and you have to be very strategic about what things you do to get experience, because it takes so much experience to go up to like level thirty or higher or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and then it just becomes, well, why are you playing now? Like, sure, you don't get anything, you know. And it's just like they could always add another ten levels to it, or um, World of Warcraft it like add another fifty levels, or you know. <laughs> but I mean. I will. Having said that, though, I like Harry Potter. It was cool. I like Pokemon. That kept me there. Ingress was the whole sci-fi secrecy thing, and the whole thing about Ingress and the success of it, kind of as it relates to geocaching. I think is the exclusivity of it. Like, it was a year that they only gave limited invites out. It was kind of like Facebook strategy, right? And then you wanted to get chosen. You wanted to win a survey or do all this stuff. And so they had all these people who were like chomping at the bit to be users and they were just like oh do surveys for us do this for us build our spread our social media like it and it's just like oh my god you just created an army of people because they want the exclusivity to do your own marketing yeah you're right there's there's kind of like an element of like the niche right like you can imagine that like oh you know because it's weird to get into or hard to find or hard to get access to um you know there's sort of like the 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 high friction point of getting into the hobby itself um, that suddenly, you know, everyone who all the players are bound a little bit closer together because they kind of, you know, made it through that hurdle. Yeah. That's really interesting because like, I remember when like Pokemon go came out, um, man, I mean, like it it was, it was, I still know people to this day that you'll be out in public, like visiting a museum or doing something and they'll just be on their phone, like catching Pokemon. It made news, right? I mean, it was kind of like fascinating. It was like one of the first, the first, it was the first zeitgeist I can remember where, um, (laughs) like media outlets were actually talking about like, Oh, all these like pasty kids who have never seen the sun are finally wandering around the park or wandering in traffic or wandering off cliffs, like some kind of, like you know like Dude, some, on the small business side it was cool like on the small business side it was just like hey come in yes get this pokemon favorite drink or whatever we have a poke stop <laughs> next to us feel free to check out because you can only check in like three times sure, you know sure, what sure. I mean, or yeah. something. but they were just like oh show us your highest level pokemon and if it beats our daily average we'll get you a free milkshake or you know or stuff like i saw oh, it everywhere dope. yeah in businesses you know? yeah how brilliant Design Thinking Games is a proud affiliate of Hunt a Killer. Enter the world of Hunt a Killer in their newest murder mystery season, Mallory Rock. This realistic murder mystery game delivers high quality, handcrafted evidence that brings a fictional case to life. Can you solve a mystery with Hunt a Killer? Go to designthinkinggames.com slash huntakiller or click on the banner at the bottom of our website.
Yeah, and I will say this, like, um, I like Pikmin. Pikmin. I love the game. I, are, you, are you familiar with Pikmin at all? Yeah, I'm familiar with Pikmin. Yeah, I, I have not played Pikmin Bloom, though. Okay, yeah, so I loved Pikmin ever since I played it on GameCube. And it was just like, oh, you're this little alien guy who lands on a planet. And then you basically have all these little plant people who want to yeah. work for you and love you. And you basically do this, like you give them nectar and they will do fruit for you or battles or get fruit for your battle stuff. And then I love the sequels and I've played all the games. And when I actually like Pikmin bloom better than Ingress, Pokemon go and Harry Potter wizards unite. And the reason why is because it is an AFK kind of game, like a casual while you're walking, you can plant flowers and collect fruit. And it's nothing, it doesn't even require me to look at the phone a lot while I'm walking, but it gives me credit for walking. And it's like, oh, you've walked this far. This is how many flowers you've planted. And then you can kind of keep walking and add new flowers and collars and types of flowers. And you can make your actual neighborhood or your yard or whatever, actually the digital, look like a digital garden and exert control over not control. (laughs) That sounds like nefarious. Exert power. No, no, no. No, but actually, like, create it tickles that creator kind of thing where you're like, oh, cool, I can make my own garden. And- so it seems, is, is, is it true to say then that, so it seems like, whereas like Pokemon Go and Harry Potter, you know, you play by going to a locale, so you're, but you're still like consuming, you're on the receptive end of like whatever content. Um, the end yeah. put out. So in Pikmin, you, you can actually like create, like, like you, you have creative powers. Oh, yeah. When I was at PAX East, everyone was playing Pikmin, and the entire Boston Convention Center looked like this lush, verdant flower garden that was beautiful. They had all these different types of flowers and giant flowers, and it was, like, filled with fruit. And, like, so when you walk through it, all your Pikmin are, like, grabbing fruit, and you're planting flowers. So, like, I can see what you're doing, and you can see what I'm doing in regards to planting flowers. And I think... And between Niantic and Nintendo, I think this is gold. So AFK games are games that you can get on, usually on a mobile device. Um, and it plays itself, it auto levels up itself. You just kind of log in every so often, make choices, design stuff, whatever, and then you can just let it play itself. And so um, Pikmin Bloom is like this nice, um, great, cool area where there's a hybrid of an AFK game and a walking game and a Nintendo worker placement game, right? And so in that sounds very complex, like, hey, you can create your own garden, you control your workers, you do worker management, but it's also, you don't kind of have to be there to play because it counts your steps. It's a kind of an AFK game and things will grow themselves. And, wow. you know, and so it's, I'm really liking it. And so that's why I'm geeking out about it and talking about it a lot. <laughs> And it gets me out. I've noticed walking. Like I actually want to walk because of it. So that's the, that's the hard part, man. Like I love the idea that you know you can plant a garden. It makes me th- the promise of the Hollowlands, like back in the day, and and how you could take you know your Minecraft server to the real world and like mm. construct. There's there's something that's really attractive about the idea that um, either through you know the window of your phone or you know in the future maybe a pair of glasses you slide on that you decorate your space and you can see the decorations of others and there's something that's 
um, ultra attractive about that. It, it almost okay. doesn't feel yeah. like a game, right? It feels more like collaborative art, you know? Um, and yeah, I've always loved the sci-fi. Like, I love sci-fi movies, and I love it when they render like the internet or computer user interfaces in sci-fi movies as being like an overlay on reality. Yeah. But all the user interfaces kind of seem to be in like augmented reality over yeah. real space out, and you're out in the real world. Like, you don't have to be limited to electricity or cable internet or you know, you're very tied to a tied to a monitor or to a keyboard. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's, it's you know this is a uh, like the you know the science fiction theme of like you know technology ultimately liberating you from like the cubicle you find yourself in, whether that's literally a, you know a business office or yeah you know kind of like the uh, like you know many of us are remote now. I, I um, we're we're confined to the house because that's where the where the shit is you know um and so i don't know like, i travel and work and all the time do you Doesn't yeah if i'm way. actually yeah. if, if if i'm going on a trip i will use my phone as like a wireless hotspot sure. you know what i mean and um or cars now have wireless mm-hmm. you know so you can actually work and get wi-fi in the car but it just connects through a cellular connection but can be used as a wi-fi hotspot and um I don't know. Yeah, there's. I, I definitely feel like we are now at a more time than ever historically where we could actually, you know, be completely mobile, work on the yeah. go. We could yeah. actually, you know, kind of do that. And so, uh, I love it. I love the, you know, like like I love the idea of being a, you know, these things like untethering you from your devices. You know, games that you can play without having to be next to a console or to your like powerhouse machine or, or something like that. I, I like really attractive, especially the ones that, you know, have some sort of like community aspect, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a kind of like weird gamification to co-working spaces, right. And like finding one near you mm-hmm. and going and, and again, working, or there's a weird kind of gamification to the whole like digital nomad uh, lifestyle, but like, you know, just about like how, how nomadic can you actually be um i'm i'm for like i'm totally like utopian not dystopian i'm trying to have a positive outlook and and the thing is is the fact that people can work with wireless hotspots they can move it doesn't really matter then you have an office offices being structured now to where they have hotel desks so you can just kind of go in use a desk for the day but you don't have to be back at that office maybe you're not back at that office i don't know but then with apps and games, and I think there's this kind of version is like, oh, with computers and stuff, we're all going to be like Matrix plugged in to where <laughs> we're just like our bodies have atrophied or they've gotten really obese, like WALL-E, the Pixar Disney film. And so, and I love this. It's like, no, it's more like for sure. Horizon Forbidden Dawn. Take the tech with you out into nature, you know, and you can exactly. check on the Wi-Fi. And yeah, I love that. I definitely waffle back and forth or back and forth between um between you know being a technological optimist and not and like you know generally i think no i mean i don't think i don't think a future like perhaps like you know a a matrix is before us but i think you know the first step to that is um like re-communing with you know the actual outside and nature and real people you know um 
where, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just, and what, and what the tech is, is just kind of like an extension of like function. So like, you know, um, you can meet with your buddies and continue the conversation at, you know, at any kind of distance, but it's not at the expense of ever meeting with your buddies or ever going outside or, or anything mm-hmm. like that. So yeah. So like, uh, like in the moment you find me as a technological optimist, I definitely waffle the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm with you. Um, I think, I think this kind of thing is like really interesting. And like, as the power, as the, the devices in our pockets become increasingly more powerful and like interconnected, interdependent with like, like our stuff, you know, the, the ability to like, you know, like create leaderboards around just kind of like random shit. Um, it's like really kind of like attractive. Those of you who, uh, enjoyed, uh, this or any of the prior episodes, uh, give us a star heart favorite on designthinkinggames.com or your podcatcher of choice. We've got a robust backlog. Go back and listen to it. We also offer um, some ads. Perhaps you heard uh, a good one just uh, like a few minutes prior. Um, they're super affordable. So if you got something you want to promote to a like-minded audience, um, look us up. And uh, we're on all the social medias, largely Twitter and TikTok as Design Thinking Games. Um, We've been talking a lot about like a newsletter and I think we actually have like some content from like interviews we've uh, been working on and you know some stuff like that so subscribe to our newsletter if you want to hear more from us thank you for listening to the design thinking games podcast you only have so much time and it means a lot you shared it with us to connect with your hosts Michael or Tim visit design thinking games on TikTok Twitch and Twitter DMs are open. You can also check out designthinkinggames.com where you can request topics, ask questions, or see what else is going on. Until next time, game on.